You're Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Stay tuned to learn more about Built Bar's incredible relaunch and how you can get in on the action today. On tonight's episode, I wanted to talk about Winnipeg's current two-game stand against the Edmonton Oilers. They had a first game against the Oilers over the weekend, and now they're playing again tonight against the Oilers. Both games are at home. And as I'm recording this, we're currently heading into the third period of the second game. So let's first start off talking about the first game. This first game was unfortunately a 4-3 regulation loss, and the way that the Jets kind of ended up surrendering this one was very disappointing. They ended up giving up a Leon Dreisaitl power play goal with literally .7 seconds remaining in the game. There was plenty of blame to go around. Unfortunately, the Jets took a late penalty, and, you know, I think DeMello was the one who got called, and he was just sort of falling down and ended up getting, like, a hook or a slash or something, which is just kind of really dumb, stupid luck. As far as the PK unit is concerned, I mean, it is what it is. I think Cop, Lowry, uh, Forboard, and Beaulieu will be disappointed that they couldn't quite get it. DeMello was almost there, and... Couldn't quite close the distance to make it into the you know defensive zone and jump into the play because the power play was about to expire. I just feel like, as far as this is concerned, it's a very disappointing way to end up uh, giving up the game winner. And I feel like it wasn't exactly a deserved way to lose necessarily, but on the other hand, I think the Jets had a, a bit of an uneven performance. The first period was very back and forth. Both teams uh, ended up conceding quite a few shots, but I think in Winnipeg's case, you sort of expect this. The Jets are very good at creating a lot of offensive opportunities, but they really can't suppress them. So you just have to sort of accept that they're going to be a high event team. And that's pretty much what we got between both squads who, you know, frankly don't have a whole lot of defensive prowess. Like the Oilers have some structural issues that aren't too dissimilar from the Jets. Both have very weak defensive structures. Both don't have that much foot speed outside of the top six. And both teams don't exactly have the world's greatest PK structure. Edmonton has like a really funny PK where a lot of guys will condense and drop low in front of the net. And then somebody usually like sprawls out and slides around trying to block the seam. On one of those body slides, I think it was actually Chris Russell sliding along the right side or something. Blake Wheeler ended up banking the puck off of him trying to pass it and scored a goal, which is probably one of the funniest things to happen on the night. The second period was a lot less generous, and Winnipeg basically just couldn't really keep up to speed. I think Edmonton ended up showing uh, the Jets that, you know, if you match up against, like, Shifley versus McDavid's line, it's just not going to go well. Maurice was really hell-bent on trying to match the top line versus top line, which we found out very quickly doesn't actually work when McDavid's line kind of carves you up in your own end. This isn't exactly shocking because, I mean, we all know that Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor are not really defensive experts. We expect them to at least be a little bit more competent, though, and I think that that's one of the biggest issues, is that even at a basic level, this line just doesn't do anything inside its own zone. It's also noticeable when the Jets kind of struggle on the back check and don't really get through the neutral zone without allowing these chances and rushes to create rapid vertical counters against the Jets' defense. I feel like Winnipeg's forwards in general just aren't that supportive when it comes to like guys in the top six, specifically the top line. The bottom six, I feel like, does a pretty good job of tracking back and ending up you know, trying to neutralize counters and trying to support the blue liners. But 
the top line and the top six in general, it's a little bit mediocre. The Shifley line in particular is something of a defensive black hole, and it continues to be an issue as it has for the past several seasons. I don't think it's really going to change, and it's really disappointing because at one point, you know, Shifley and Wheeler were very good at creating two-way play opportunities. And you could kind of trust them to a degree inside their own end. I think Wheeler especially was very dominant in possession, and Shifley wasn't too bad himself. Now they both just kind of glide around, and at least on one of these sequences inside the defensive zone, I think Shifley got caught out and really didn't mark his man appropriately and ended up conceding a goal on the ice. It's not the first time it's happened that this top line has gotten outscored or outchanced or just really struggling to do much of anything, especially in zone exits, but... Sometimes they also struggle to score opportunities too and create 5v5 offense. It's not often that they don't get any shots or anything like that, but there are some shifts where it just seems like that top line gets overmatched, and it's a little bit disappointing to me because these guys are supposed to be primary offensive catalysts for this team, but instead it was Cop, Stastny, and Ehlers who led the way, and even though they didn't have as much ice time, that line just continues to sizzle. And it's one of those things where I kind of watch and, and think to myself, you know, is the Shifley line really the one that should be getting the most minutes? With just how much chaos Cop, Stastny, and Ehlers create together, especially down low in the crease area, I, I don't really understand why, you know, Shifley's line ends up getting pushed out there as much. I think that the second line is much better in defensive coverage. They can really dominate possession. They create a lot of really good overlaps, and they're very good at scoring opportunities. Cop especially was just all over the front of the net, and because of his style, which is very physical in some ways and very good inside tight spaces, especially winning body battles and trying to essentially just force the puck in, he almost had a two-goal night. The second goal ended up getting waved off, which was frustrating because I think there was a ruling that he inf interfered with, like, uh, Miko Koskinen's glove, which I guess there was an argument for. I think there was, like, a stick moved in there, but the puck was already over him, so it didn't really inhibit him from making the save. I just don't know if that argument necessarily holds up, so I get the ruling. I'm a little bit disappointed by it. I didn't really feel personally that it was the kind of goaltender interference that's very clear-cut and easy to rule out a goal. I, I didn't really see it, but you know, I don't think anyone actually knows what goalie interference is or isn't at this level of hockey, so I just kind of shrug and, and sort of moved on. I think the way that Winnipeg ended up caving in the last minute of the game is a lot more disappointing. I felt that there were some really good stretches here and there, particularly when the bottom six and the second line were out there. I thought David Gustafson's line was pretty decent. Gus is actually looking much improved, and I think his defensive zone reads and his offensive zone passes and vision were both very good. He had a much better debut than he did last year. And all in all, I just felt like, you know, the result was fair, but it was also kind of frustrating that the Jets didn't even at least scrap out a point. I felt like they could have gotten at least one and not a regulation loss. And with the way that the Canadian division is, you kind of want to take as many points against these teams as possible. The Oilers are not, like, the worst team in the division, but they're also not great, and I think the Jets have enough firepower to take advantage of them. Keeping Heinola bench, though, and not having, you know, the most optimal matchups against the McDavid line, which, really, you're just trying to limit the damage because it's a good chance he's going to score anyways, but still hard-matching Shifley's line against it when you know that that combo doesn't really work against McDavid's unit, I just don't fully understand either of these decisions. Heinola is very much needed to maintain possession, create offensive counters, and try and stabilize that back end. He's one of the best D on Winnipeg's roster right now, and the fact that he's not in these games is just very annoying. Beaulieu, in my mind, should probably be the one to sit, you know, maybe surprising some folks who thought I'd say Logan Stanley. Logan's been okay. I think Beaulieu is the one who needs to sit for Heinola. Get Villian here. He's really needed. 
Speaking of being really needed on this Jets defense, Vili Heinola has in fact been sitting in this game as well against the Oilers for the second straight time. And in just a moment, I'll give you a look into what's happening in this game and whether or not somebody like Heinola would make a difference. Before we get to that fun action, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about why you need to make BetOnline.ag the only online betting site you ever use. While all of you listening to this podcast are probably diehard Winnipeg Jets fans, you might also be interested in NFL action. And as you're all well aware, the hunt for the Lombardi Trophy now comes between Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Can Brady somehow ride out the twilight of his career on one last high? Or do you think the upstart Kansas City Chiefs are going to be back to defend their title and take it again? Whichever way you're leaning, BetOnline.ag has the safest, most reliable online betting site to put your money where your mouth is. Whether you're looking for the hottest bets in NFL action, college football, NHL predictions, and so much more, BetOnline has exactly what you need. They even have bets for Bundesliga and Premier League action, which for all you soccer heads is always a big deal. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. When you head on over to betonline.ag and create your free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. In just a moment, I want to tell you a little bit about what happened in tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers, the second of a two-game series. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why you need to be listening to Locked on Today. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast. Pete Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now onto some thoughts of the Jets against the Oilers, which resulted in a 6-4 Jets win. And wow, this was an absolute barn burner. Now, I will say that the opening period was kind of weird. The Jets, generally speaking, had the edge in shots, but unfortunately, Connor Hellebuck kind of had a bad night, and Winnipeg found itself in like a 3-1 hole very early. To some degree, you can forgive Hellebuck for occasionally having a couple of rough outings, but he's had a few over the past couple of games, and it's kind of like a little mediocre just because I think the team is not in a great state until PLD arrives. And like we all know that the defense is a problem, so Hellebuck needs to make some of these easier saves, and he had a few goals tonight that were not particularly great. One of the crappier ones ended up being, I think it was Leon Dreisaitl who just went five hole, and of course there was like an obstruction call that should have been made at the line. Forbort wasn't allowed to track back, he got uh, cross-checked in the back on his own blue line, but even still, it's just not really an excuse for Hellebuck having a couple of goals that he needed to, to really make the save on, and he struggled tonight. I think it was especially noticeable in that first period. Later on, Hellebuck was fine, but in that opening 20 minutes, it did put Winnipeg at a bit of a disadvantage. And that said, like, the Jets weren't playing poorly. It was just that, you know, a couple of saves that they needed, they didn't really get. Despite stumbling a bit early, it was a, a very eventful period. The Jets actually ended up leaving that first period uh, down in like a 3-2 hole, which is not un- unfathomable to claw back from. Certainly only needed one goal to tie it. But I think all of us were to some degree nervous that Connor Hellebuck would continue to surrender goals, which he did surrender one more later tonight, but I, I don't know that you can really fault him for that one as much. I will say that Andrew Kopp had a nice power play goal, which Kopp, man, tonight was one of his nights, man. If you haven't been paying attention to this Kopp, Stastny, Ehlers line, you need to start watching. This is a line that I think has the potential to be one of the best the Jets have ever assembled. They've had a few of these over the past couple of seasons, but man, I think the way that they play and their style of just meshing together so nicely, it's fantastic. You have a really interesting mixture of skill types and approaches to hockey that all have perfect chemistry and really high IQ that allows all of them to work together in great concert with one another. And I think especially when it comes to Andrew Kopp just being a really net front pest with you know surprising determination to score and just unbelievable 
persistence to never let a play die, it fits really well with how Paul Stastny is very good at finding those passing seams and getting the puck to you no matter what, and then you have Ehlers who's just very good at everything. He's great at creating space through a lot of zone cycling, he's got great edge work to cut inside and shoot, he's also very good at passing and scoring himself, so it's just an explosive mix, and you know, Cop ended up getting some power play time with Adam Lowry and Nick Ehlers, and this unit ended up collecting the first goal of the Jets for the night. And then later on, we saw Lowry and Ehlers again figure into the scoring, this time with a Matthew Perot goal, and Perot probably is very happy to score that one. He, he liked one-timed one from the central slot area that just really found a, a great seeing eye seam and went straight over Koskinen's shoulder. They were commenting earlier in the period that Paul Maurice had wanted Perot to shoot on a couple of chances that he ended up passing on in the last game, and of course, Perot has definitely been taking like one-timer shots, especially from like the right face-off circle, but this one was one of the more dead-center chances that he's had, and he did not miss it at all. He's looked really good since he's come back from his injuries, and I think the time off in the offseason ended up helping him get back to full strength. If he can play this way for the rest of the year, man, Matty P is back in a big way. The second period was, I think, for the most part, pretty decent for the Jets. It's just that no one was able to score. They had a couple of end-to-end -end rushes, and I feel like the Jets, even though they got outshot, actually had some of the more dangerous opportunities. It was just that either a little bit of unlucky misses or a couple of chances that went wide of the net, it was very tough for Winnipeg to kind of corral the puck and make that final pass to essentially get over all these guys who were sliding on the ice for Edmonton. Whatever happened, though, in the dressing room between the second period and third period, the Jets came out of the third period looking absolutely dominant. This Winnipeg team, especially with that second line and the way that the depth forwards can kind of fill in the gaps, just continues to create a lot of offensive zone pressure, and so much skill in passing allows them to do a couple of different things. They can hit on really fast counters, they can grind you down with zone possession, and the other thing that they've been doing a lot more frequently is just crashing the net. They like to drop real low in front of the low slot area and essentially get in the goalie's face and create havoc and chaos that way. With the speed and skill that they've put together, I think that this mixture actually allows for a lot of tactical versatility. And the only real detriment on this team right now is the first line. It's the only line that, for me, just hasn't been doing anything at all. They've had a couple of good shifts in previous games and some really nice goals, but for the most part, this first line is just really struggling. And Maurice again hard-matched it against the McDavid line, which, as you'd expect, ended up getting them shredded. Shifley and Wheeler just haven't been good enough, and I think Connor is not really capable of carrying those two. You know, Kyle has definitely improved his game in certain areas, but there are also areas where he's still deficient, and I don't really expect that to change. Wheeler desperately needs to have his minutes cut back, and Shifley, I don't know what you do with him. Like, he's still phenomenally talented in the offensive zone, but there are so many shifts where I don't really get a sense of him actually putting in the full effort, and his back checks and defensive zone awareness are both non-existent, so I don't really know what his situation is or how you get him back to being an effective 5v5 player. He can still score, and he's still got great passing and whatnot, but the rest of his game has really suffered. He's very fortunate that Cop, Stastny, and Ehlers were all on their game tonight and really just absolutely bossed Edmonton's middle six and bottom six around. That line was flying and had involvement on most of Winnipeg's goals this evening. The last little blemish on the night was a Connor McDavid goal where, again, with a couple minutes remaining, you know, they Edmonton Oilers pulled the goalie and Paul Maurice put out that top line for some reason, which we know that they don't do well against the McDavid line. Why would you put him out in an odd man situation in the dying minutes of the game 
And then, of course, they got punished for it when McDavid ended up getting a puck and, and kind of dummying Shifley near the walls to score a highlight real goal. And sure, the goal is fantastic, but the whole situation and, and the reason that it happened was because that top line was out there, Shifley tripped and fell near the wall, and no one was really able to disrupt the play. So, again, not really sure why Maurice continues to trust this line. It's not defensively resolute, and I, I feel like it's a mistake to keep putting them out there. Thankfully, Winnipeg got the win anyways, uh, 6-4, but it was a little bit nervy there towards the end, and hopefully they can keep playing and outscoring their opponents. I think that they have the firepower and offensive talent to do so, but, you know, who knows how it's going to adjust over the next couple of weeks. Speaking of adjustments, in just a little bit, I want to talk about some of the star performers and some of the guys that I want to see getting into this lineup, and especially where, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois might fit in for this team as we head over into the post-quarantine period for him. Before then, though, like I mentioned earlier, I did want to tell you a little bit about Bilt Bar's recent relaunch and why you need to get involved right now. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, then by now you know I'm a big fan of Bilt Bars. If you've never had one, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend raspberry and mint brownie as your starting points, but if you can't decide, be sure to check out their variety box, which includes all 18 existing flavors. You might have noticed that I mentioned 18 flavors in the variety box when there are only 12 original flavors, and that's because Bilt Bar is back and better than ever with brand new flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. As good as these flavors taste, they're even better for you, with most Bilt Bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less, 15 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Bilt Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in fiber, and high in protein, so they're perfect for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order, go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Before we get underway, I do want to let you know about some future episodes this week. I will be continuing our uh, NHL regular season coverage, including some standings updates, game recaps, and then we'll have a guest on from Locked on Columbus Blue Jackets, Jay Forster, over the weekend to discuss the fan feelings regarding both the line and Dubois trades. Speaking of the Dubois trade, I thought it'd be interesting to consider where he might slot into this lineup. I think as we've seen over the past couple of weeks, Winnipeg's roster is... You know, for the most part, not that fluid. I think we generally know how Maurice sees this team. And of course, Cop, Ehlers, and Stastny seem like they have natural chemistry. And my personal natural inclination is not to break them up. Now, I did hear that the Jets were talking about moving Stastny to wing and having Pierre-Luc Dubois be that second-line center, which I'm not hugely a fan of just because I think Stastny is not as fast and mobile as he used to be. I think it'd be better if he was the center and PLD was essentially the winger, but that's probably not where the Jets envision him to be. For all intents and purposes, I think my ideal situation would obviously see Shifley and Wheeler uh, taken off the top line and moved around the lineup, but of course that's not going to happen. So assuming Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler stay together, I would imagine that something like Ehlers, Stastny, and Dubois in some sort of arrangement would get mixed together. Cop probably moves back to the third line, and then I could easily see someone like Perot moving to the fourth line and maybe bouncing out Nate Thompson or something, because right now I don't think that there's an extra spot for Thompson to slot back in, even when he's healthy. Obviously, I think that his utility for this team is fairly limited and mostly as injury depth, and right now he is still injured, so he can't really get in anyways. But I think if you have that arrangement, it would mostly be okay. I still worry about that top line because Connor Shifley-Wheeler is definitely in over its head. It continues to swim, and it's just For as much time as it gets, which is a ton of ice time relative to the rest of the squad, it just doesn't really produce at the level it needs to. 
it got torched by the Oilers tonight, so I don't really have a whole lot of confidence in it going forward, especially with the past couple of seasons of evidence suggesting that the top line just doesn't work. On the blue line, I really think it's time that we see Vili Heinola take a, a regular starting role. You know, Nate Beaulieu is definitely struggling a lot, and even though Logan Stanley hasn't been perfect himself, Beaulieu for me is the one who's really in over his head and kind of drowning under a lot of pressure and really bad decision making. Heinola would rectify a lot of that immediately, and I think Vili's puck movement, his passing, his vision, his defensive positioning, all of these things are hugely important for this team and something that would really boost their back end. Heinola is also incredibly effective as a puck distributor in the offensive zone and would really assist on that power play if he was given that time, which I don't think Maurice would even give him, but let's just hope that he would in the, the situation where he actually makes this team. And I'd also think that just at even strength, he's very good at linking the play in all three zones of the ice, whether he's stringing counters, uh, creating breakouts, and really chaperoning and captaining that puck management throughout all the areas of the ice that you would really look for somebody to be a, a transition player and back-end catalyst. This is something that he's shown time and time again for his Finnish teams and for the Finnish national team itself. And in limited samples with the Jets, he's continued to do the same thing. So, you know, Paul Maurice needs to get him in somehow. I get that you don't want to necessarily put your uh, veterans on the bench in, for, in favor of like a rookie, but Heinle's mature beyond his years. Let the kid play, get him up to speed, and he can really help this team. The Jets don't have a whole lot of margin for error to lose games this year, especially with how the divisions work, so the more points you can take now, even without PLD in the lineup yet, would be super ideal. Be curious to know if you folks agree with me, or if you'd make any other lineup alterations, be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco on Twitter and at our podcast Twitter as well, at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Lockdown National Podcast, hosted by Sarah Avampado. I appreciate you lending me your ear holes this evening. Have a great night, and as always, go Jets go!